So what I thought it'd be appropriate to do, because, you know, we gave a couple special shiurim, some Gedalia and Sukkot, a couple shiurim. Um, and um, it, it's now time for us to roll up our sleeves, uh, which I never do because I always wear short sleeves, but to roll up our sleeves and to, uh, and to get into actual Eruvin. And as I said at the opening shiur, there are three kinds of Eruvim, two which are dealt with in our Masachet. One is Eruvei Tchumin, and we dealt with that um, in one of the shiurim earlier on. Uh, and that is the issue of distance and the issue of creating an artificial or fictional residence in the middle of nowhere uh, to create a radius from that residence to two towns, the one you're currently in and the one you want to get to on Shabbat. But the one that's more common when we talk about Eruvin is what we call Eruve Chatzerot. And I realized we never really talk basics about it. So what we're going to do today, and I'll already give you a telegraph what we're going to do next week. What we're going to do today is sort of the basics of Eruvin, how it works, what it's about, why it's there, and what the system is. Um, and the next time that somebody says, oh, did you put your Eruv up? You can smile and say, uh, yes, they put it up or they're checking it. Or you can be a real uh, smarty and say, well, we don't really put an Eruv up. And then you can spend an hour uh, you know, educating them. Uh, but we can, we'll talk about Eruvin. What we're going to do next week, if you're interested, you'll let me know at the end of the year, is to is actually talk practical. Some of the practical issues with Eruvin, and one of the most intractable practical issues, uh, is one that we're going to touch upon in the year. And it is actually the Mishnah at the beginning of the, of the parak that we're in the middle of, in the parak Hadar, the sixth parak. Uh, that sort of occasion this discussion, uh, but we'll get to it in, in here. So we're going to really use the clearest text that you could find anywhere in anything in halacha, and that is the Rambam. Most of the shiurs you see from the source sheet is going to be the Rambam, and hopefully we'll get through all of the sources. Uh, so let's start with a little bit of background. Um, Shabbat includes, as we know, 39 different malachot, which are prohibited. And the 39 melachot are not actions, they're categories. So there's a category called cooking, which includes cooking and includes baking. And it may include a heating up metal, according to the Rambam, and all sorts of other things. There's a category called planting, which includes both planting a tree and sowing seeds. And it also includes watering a tree, et cetera. And that's the notion of avot and toladot. Um, most of the categories, the avot melachot, fall under what we would sort of think as a not ancient man, but classical man and the world, the world of creative endeavors. So planting, plowing, planting, reaping, winnowing, etc., all the way to baking is the first 11 malachot on the list is the 11 malachot that are called sidur de pat, getting basically from seed to sandwich and those 11 steps. And then the next bunch of steps are basically making a garment. So it's trapping a deer and shechting the deer and flaying the deer and, um, and, uh, and then working with the, with, the tan, with the hide and also different things you do with the hide, painting it, et cetera. Uh, and then there is a potpourri of malachot. And the last two malachot 
are thrown at the end of that famous list in the seventh parak of Shabbat because they really don't fit anywhere else. One of them is called Makeba Patish, which we didn't deal with in Shabbat in our shiurim. Makeba Patish literally means nailing uh, the, the uh, with a hammer, and what it refers to is doing the last step of a malacha. So it can apply to all sorts of different areas, and it's actually sort of a a, um, a fallback for when there's issues. The famous thing of Rashi Weiss that that when there are certain activities that we know are prohibited, but we can't really pin them on any particular malacha, so we call them makavapatish. But the other one is motzim yershut l'shut, which means to carry from one domain to another. And if you think about it, motzim yershut l'shut gets way, way more press than 139th of Masachat Shabbat. As a matter of fact, Masachat Shabbat, which otherwise follows the order. So it starts with things that we do Friday afternoon, then the things we do just before sunset, then things that we do during twilight. We had a whole sugi about twilight and then things that are left on the stove, moves on from there, but it's preceded by one Mishnah about caring. Remember the first Mishnah on Shabbat, the Balabayit, the Ani, inside, outside, reach inside, reach outside. And then when we actually get into Shabbat itself in the fifth parak, it's suddenly caring, what an animal's allowed to wear and what a person's allowed to wear. And then once we interrupt it by presenting all of the general rules of malachot, including shogeg, what the definition of shogeg, we go back to that and say, what's the minimal amount of, of wood that if you carry it, you're chayav, the minimal amount of straw, the minimal amount of water, you name it, every possible thing for carrying. Carrying, which means transporting something from one domain to another or transporting something around in the public domain, is such a pervasive malacha throughout Masachat Shabbat that it really informs the whole Masachat. It shows up in almost every parak, and it is the star of a number of prakim. And, um, and the reason for that seems to be twofold. Tosfot, first of all, at the beginning of Masachat Shabbat, uses a phrase um, in which he calls hotza'a melacha gru'a. Melacha gru'a literally means kind of an insignificant malacha. And what he means by that is, if you think about it, when you cook, when you, um, when you plant, when you harvest, you're doing something which you, you look at it and you recognize the significance. Beforehand, there was a sapling and there was an empty plot of ground. And now I've planted a tree. Beforehand, there was uh, raw food and now I have edible food. I recognize the difference. Carrying, on the other hand, you look at it and say, what did I do? I had something in my pocket. I was here, and then I was there, and I had something still in my pocket. And so Tosfa points out that there's the notion of malacha grua, that because it's so insignificant and people think of it so lightly, and I'll briefly mention a, a current um, um, phenomenon of this, that therefore it needs to have a lot of attention. Uh, a current example of this is uh, people who grow up from age zero in an area where there is a trustworthy and commonly utilized a roof that's never taken down, never falls down or whatever it is, often don't even know that there's a prohibition called carrying. And there are many stories about people who grow up in what the New York Times likes to call ultra-Orthodox neighborhoods, um, who for, for the first time in their lives suddenly end up in uh, Manhattan for a Shabbos, 
or wherever it might be in Manhattan in the old days when there's no A roof, and they're caring, and they never heard of any issue of caring. Because what am I doing, Sahakol? And if I grew up in an area where everybody carries because there's an A roof, then I don't even know it exists. So that's Tosfot's take on Malacha grew up. But there's a whole other take to it, which is something that Rav Hirsch suggests. Um, and it's really kind of uh, suggested by the two passages that you have in front of you. Um, you know, if you think about it, Shabbat is one of the hallmarks of the relationship that we have with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Shabbat is an ot b'ni uvein b'nei Yisrael. It's, uh, it's something which uh, takes pride of place that when another holiday falls on Shabbat, the holiday gets adjusted for Shabbat. The tefilot are tefilot of, of Yom Tov. We did that this past Shabbat. And we add the brackets for Shabbat, but the laws are laws of Shabbat. We don't say you can cook because it's Shvini Yatzeret, but it's Shabbat, you can't cook. And Shabbat controls that. And Shabbat, as we know, is in Aserat Hadibrot, and Shabbat is mentioned numerous times in Chumash. But if you think about it, Shabbat is mentioned over and over with the Shmirat Shabbat and the phrase Lota Seko Malacha. But what particular Malachot are prohibited? The truth is we're not told. We may be told about harvesting and reaping, harvesting and plowing, depending how we interpret the Pasuk in Shmot Lamed Dalad, We certainly are told about fire because the Torah says, in Shmot Lamed Hay. But the question is, what fire is that? Is that a regular fire? Is that fire of an execution in Beitin? What is that? Okay. But we're not really told about other malachot. You cannot find a, an explicit prohibition in the Torah, worded in the Torah, to not tie a knot on Shabbat, or not even to cook. You can't find it. However, the issue of caring does show up, not just in, perhaps, in the Torah, in the context, perhaps, of the man, and perhaps in the context of the mishkan, but in two other famous passages, one that really piggybacks off the other. If you take a look at source one on the handout, which we have shared up here, in Yumiyahu Yod Zion, Yumiyahu Yod Zion, this passage comes right at the after, after the part, which is the famous Haftarah for Bechukotai. You may remember which ends Rafaini Adonai Ve'erafe, Oshaini Ve'erashe, Right, with the next words of Baruch Hashem and right? That's the Haftarah. So the rest of that parak, which that parak includes the famous passage Baruch Hagever, etc., reads as follows: Kol Amar Adonai Eli, Haloch ve'Matav Shar Bnei Ha'am. Go stand in the gate of where the people come. Asheyavovo Malchei Yehuda, Asheyitzuvo. This is where the kings come in and out of the city. Uvechol Sharei Yishalayim, and go to all the gates of Yishalayim. Listen to the word of Hashem. So the kings and all the citizens who come through these gates. Be very careful with your lives. Do not carry anything on Shabbat. Bring it into the gates of Yishalayim. Don't carry things out of your house on Shabbat. And then, interesting. Because 
keep Shabbat. So here, the command to the Navi, as Hashem is saying, keep Shabbat like I told you, which means not to carry things in and out of the city. Your ancestors didn't listen, etc. Good. So the Navi here is defining, sanctifying the day of Shabbat as not carrying things in. What is that about? So notice, he's talking about carrying a burden into the gates. And the issue is, well, we see it clarified because when this is the end of Bayit Rishon. And Yirmiyahu, before the destruction, is telling people to be careful of this. They didn't listen. They didn't listen to anything he said. And now Nehemiah, at the end of Sefer Nehemiah, Nehemiah is the beginning of Bayit Sheni. So Nehemiah says, Zohrali Elohai Azot Me'altim Tamach Chasadi, Chasadi Asher Asiti Beit Elohai Mishmarad. Remember, he's saying, remember the good things that I've done. Don't let my kindnesses be wiped out. In Yehuda, I saw people trampling grapes on Shabbat. What would they do? They would bring piles, evidently piles of wheat, and load it on their donkeys. They'd also bring grape wine, evidently figs, and all sorts of burdens, um, they bring it to Shalim. What are they doing? On the day that they were selling things. In other words, what were they doing? They were involved in commerce. Now, commerce carries with it throughout the Nevi'im a secondary problem, which is not secondary at all, which is the way that the markets were rigged and the way that people were taken advantage of and you people used faulty weights and scales in order to cheat people. That's problem one. But problem zero here is that people were doing business on Shabbat. And this is something Rav Hirsch points out about the fact that the malachot of Shabbat are really 38 and one. He says 38 of them are about creation, tying a knot, untying a knot, building a building, tearing down a building, etc. That's about creating something. And that's in the realm of man and the world. And caring is about man and man. And caring is about taking stuff from your house to the marketplace to sell it and taking stuff from the marketplace, buying it and bringing it home. And that's why he says the, the definition is about public and private domain and in the public domain. But that's the problem. Okay, so that's the background. The reason I'm bringing it up is because Tosfot's comment now takes on a different color, and that is Malachag grua doesn't necessarily mean it's an insignificant thing and we wouldn't think of it. It's something that people treated insignificantly, and they would say, what's the big deal? I'm carrying things. And after all, we are allowed to carry things on Shabbat within per permitted parameters. So for instance, we have an Eruv in our neighborhood that many of us rely on. And therefore, if I'm coming to, which happens now with our satellite minyanim all the time, if I'm coming to a neighbor's house and we're having Shabbos mincha there, and I am the one with Sefer Torah, I carry the Sefer Torah in the street and I bring it to him. Right? So we do carry things. And so carrying is something, it's not like a blanket prohibition that except in cases of, of uh, life or death, we don't violate, we carry all the time, given the proper parameters. And you can see why it'd be easily be trod upon, which leads us to the next background 
piece, which is source three and four, which is a Gemara that shows up both in Brachot and in, in uh, Shabbat and in Shabbat and in Eruvin, and a piece in the Yerushalmi. Uh, the piece in the Yerushalmi is gorgeous, and then we're going to use that as a springboard to our main study. And the Gemara does not give background to this. So I'm going to tell you what it is, and we'll let the Rambam fill it in. So according to this report, which is, by the way, both in the Bavli, it's in the Yushalmi, it's in, it's in, um, I believe it's in Yushalmi, uh, but it's also in several Midrashim. Shlomo was the one who, who, who mandated Eruvin. And when we say Eruvin, we mean our Eruvin, Eruvei Chatzerot. We'll see more in the Rambam about this. He's also the one who mandated Netilat Yadaim. Question is, which Netilat Yadaim? Yatsta bat kol v'amra. So a bat kol came out and said, because the assumption is that Shlomo could not make this mandate if David was still alive. You'll see why that's important here. So a bat kol, a heavenly voice, came out and said the pasuk from Mishlei. Bat kol knows Tanakh. Bni im chacham libcha yismach libi gamani. So in, now what's beautiful about this is this is a quote from Mishlei, and Mishlei, by the way, is authored, at least some of it, by Shlomo. And so, Bani, my son, it's Ki'ilu Shlomo saying, but now the Batkol saying it about Shlomo, and the Batkol now is speaking, if you will, in David's voice. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart is happy. Yomer, later on in Mishlei, it says, Chacham Bani My son is wise, and I'm happy, and now I can respond to those who, who belittled me, who, who disgraced me. By the way, this is an important piece because David's big skeleton was Batsheva. The whole story of Batsheva. And remember, Shlomo is Batsheva's son. And so for Shlomo to be this great wise leader who has religious enactments that help promote Torah, suddenly puts the whole Batsheva affair into a different uh, light, perhaps. Uh, but the, but the Bavli here is claiming that Shlomo was the one who mandated Eruvin. We'll have to see what that means. But before we get to the Rambam, this gorgeous passage from the Yerushalmi. And now he says, why do we make an Eruv Chatserot? Now, as you'll see, Eruv Chatserot is something that we absolutely need. And I'll explain it quickly now, and then we'll see it in more detail in about two minutes. It means as follows, imagine if you will, because the closest thing we have to this is an apartment complex, right? Many of us either live or have lived at some point in an apartment complex. In an apartment complex, you walk into the complex and you are in a fully fenced in area. There might be a pool in the middle, there may be a rec room, there may be a business office, something like that, depending on the nature of the place. And those are all commonly owned. They're owned by the corporation, of the condo or they're owned by the owner of the building. And then there's hallways and there's uh, stairways. And then there's your apartment. So your apartment, we're gonna call your house. And the common area, we're gonna call a chatzer, a courtyard. When we get to the Rambam, I'll describe the urban settings, so you'll see. So you do need to have an Eruv Chatzerot. What Rabbi Shuvan Levi seems to be saying is, if you have a larger Eruv, why do you still make one locally? And we're going to see about that later on. He says, Nei darkei shalom. What's the darkei shalom? 
So let's stop right now and ask, what is an Eruv? The answer is an Eruv is a loaf of bread. An Eruv is a challah. An Eruv is a matzah. It's food. And it's food. We'll see how it works. So here's a story. There was a woman who wasn't getting along with another neighbor. So she sent the Eruv with her son to this woman. And it's her Eruv, and she sent it, meaning her contribution, she sent it to this woman. The woman saw this boy coming, who was the son of a woman that she didn't have a fight with, coming with food. So she embraced the little boy and she kissed the boy. He came home and he told his mom, hey, I went to Mrs. Uh, you know, whoever, and she embraced me. and She loves me that much. You know, it's, I thought I was just doing the, my obligation as a neighbor. And I sent you with an Eruv and you got the royal treatment. I didn't know she loved me this much. But As a result, they made Shalom between them. In other words, what the Eruv does is it forces neighbors to interact in a contributory way. And you never know when that could um, heal some, some, uh, some wounds. That's the Pasuk in Mishlei, that all the ways of Torah are peace, are pleasantness, and all of the paths are paths of peace. So Halakha is, intends to create that. Okay, but now let's take a look at the nitty-gritty of it. And the Rambam, in his beautiful style, is going to take us from the beginning all the way through, and we're just going to learn this through and get clarity on how Eruvin work. Okay, now, but remember, remember, Shlomo Tikain Eruvin. So let's see what that means. Because Litakain means to create an enactment. Okay. Now, one quick thing before we start. This is critical background. The urban setting in the period of the Mishnah, in the period of the Gemara, and evidently it continued in the Middle East for centuries, was as follows. You have a town, and the town has a main street. We will call that main street Rishut Rabim. That main street is where the king goes through and it's a wide street, everybody travels there. And the main street has alleys, small streets, little uh, side streets that branch off of it. And each one of those is either a cul-de-sac or goes all the way through. So it's a cul-de-sac that means that it has numerous buildings on each side and one at the end. And that's the, that's the whole street. In some cases, it'll go all the way through to the next main street. That street is called a mavui. In modern Hebrew, we refer to an alley that way, but we call it a mavui. Right? That's the word. Maybe from the word mavo, like an entrance. Now, a mavo, a mavui, has numerous entrances to different courtyards. And what the easiest way to picture this is a neighborhood, which is for us, is a neighborhood which is all apartment complexes like a number of the streets that you go to, even here in, 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 in not far from us, let's say between Robertson and La Cienega, between, uh, let's say, Cascio and Pico. Quite a number of those streets are all apartment buildings. So you're, you, now I want you to picture those apartment buildings, not the way they are, California style, but the way they are more New York style, where the entire building is closed up. 
and you are walking down the street and you want to go into one of those buildings, you have to enter into the apartment complex. And from there, you'll go to one of the, one of the rooms, one of the apartments. So that complex is called a chatzer. Now, what you have to picture as a chatzer, because we know a chatzer is like a yard. So what you want to picture is a, um, a courtyard in which there are several houses around it, and the courtyard's in the middle. And the courtyard is commonly owned by all the members of the, of the, of the complex. That's critical, meaning it is privately owned, but privately owned by a group. That's critical for what we do. So we have, let's say, house A, B, C, D, and E around it, and owners A through E all own the chatzer. Okay, good. Here we go. Chatzer sheyesh ba shchanim harbei. So you have a chatzer with a lot of people living in it. Kol achad mehem bevayit latzmo. Everybody living in his own house. Din Torahu. The Torah law here is shukulan mutarin the tatel bechol achatzer. Now the assumption here, of course, is that the entire area is fenced in, has a fence that's ten tefachim high and covers at least a majority of the, you know, all those details. Me from the Torah, the law is that everybody can carry in the chatzer in the courtyard, umibatim lachatzer, and from any house, your own or somebody else's house, to the courtyard, or from the courtyard to the houses. It's all one reshutayachid. Umutar the taltal b'chulai. You're allowed to carry it everywhere. Now, lechena din b'mavoi. The same true is about our street, our mavoi. If it has a lechi, which is a standing up stick, or a korah, which is a crossbeam, that marks it as fenced in, everybody in that street should be able to carry anywhere. They should be able to carry from the street into the complexes and vice versa, and into the houses, all carrying. The entire thing is Rishutayachid. So I want you to picture now a cul-de-sac. Uh, and I'll, I'm making it a cul-de-sac, so it's only on, open on one side, where there are numerous complexes on each side. And the cul-de-sac has a gate in front of it, let's say. From the Torah's perspective, anybody there can carry from their house to the courtyard, courtyard to the house, out to the street, play ball, basketball, it's all fine. All right? V'chein hadin b'medina, the same thing. Now, the word medina in, in the Mishnah, in the medina, the way the Rambam means it, is a walled city. A walled city that typically has its own hegemony. If has a wall around it, that's 10 tfachim high. If it ain't 10 tfachim high, it's not much of a wall. I'm talking about 30 inches. So now, if you have a, a, a wall around a city, then the wall either has, has to have openings. Either the openings are always open, like Sharyafo. I don't think Sharyafo can be closed. Um, or it has openings that can actually be sealed, like you picture a gate in the old days where they would close it at night and put a bolt and seal it. So if you have a walled city, that a walled city, that has a fence around it, obviously a wall, and it has doors, every night they're locked, 
Shekula Rishut HaYachidim. It's all Rishut HaYachid. Zehu Din Torah. That's the Torah law. Aval. You were waiting for the Aval. Midivrei Sofrim. The rabbinic law is, and by the way, anytime it's Divrei Sofrim, there's got to be a reason. Meaning, God can tell us to not wear wool and linen, and God keeps his own uh, counsel. God can tell us, uh, you know, that we have to redeem the firstborn donkey, and God keeps his own counsel. When there's a rabbinic law, the reason's got to be there, and it's got to be accessible to us. We've got to see what it is. Midivrei Sofrim. Listen carefully to this definition. Neighbors, meaning the members of the complex, are not allowed to carry in Rishut HaYachid that has it multiple residents, residents of the TS at the end. Until all of the residents, meaning plural of resident, all of the people who live there, join together. That's what an Eruv is. They join together before Shabbat starts. We'll see how they do that. Which means they turn it into a singularly owned complex. Echad chatzer v'echad mavui v'echad medina. It's true about a chatzer. It's true about the street. It's true about the city. takanat shlomo uveit dino. And this is the more we saw that this is Shlomo's ruling, meaning Shlomo is the one who prohibited, Shlomo and his Beitin, prohibited caring in a commonly owned private area. And he says, Let's say people live in tents or live in a, like an army camp. And you put a fence around it. You can't carry from tent to tent. So if you go camping, it's a classic example. You have a whole group, the men's club. I don't know if you remember the women had such thing as the men's club, but they all go camping or the, the, the families of the shul all go for a camping trip and they make camping Shabbat. It's a beautiful thing. <clears throat> and you set up six different tents in one huge camping area and you put a fence around it. It's not good enough. Right? They have to make an Eruv. But if there's a caravan, and you put a wall, a fence around it. Because a caravan that's traveling are all united in a critical way. And therefore, if they, as long as they have a fence around them, when they set up for Shabbat, they don't have to make an Eruv. And the tents are meaningless. The tents are set up today and gone tomorrow. Now, here's the reason. Why did Shlomo, and again, anytime you come to rabbinic edict, there's got to be a reason. We've got to hear what the reason is. Why did Shlomo make this rule that has led to so much halachic discussion, so much interaction with the local authorities, and so much politics? Eruvin. You guys remember the Daily Show piece on, on the Eruv in, uh, in the Hamptons? If not, check it out. It's a lot of fun. Why did Shlomo make this rule? So that people do not make a mistake. And by the way, you think about it, many rabbinic legislations and prohibitions, what we call fences around the Torah, were made because most people look at things in a superficial way. They don't come to Shurim. 
They look at things in a superficial way. And when they see something that's permitted, they, they extend it to all sorts of other things. <clears throat> Why did the rabbis forbid chicken with cheese? They forbade it because they said, oh, if you can have chicken with cheese, which from the Torah law you're allowed to have, then you can also have a chayat with cheese. And that's prohibited by the Torah. Right? This needs shechita, that needs shechita. So, you know, they, they say, ah, I guess it's okay. And the only thing that's pro prohibited is actually a goat, and a goat only in its own mother's milk, and etc. Okay. So, people will say, just like I'm allowed to carry from my courtyard to the street, the Mavui, uh, and I can carry also to the Shuk. Remember where this all started? And I can bring things in from the main street into my alley, into my courtyard, into my house. I can also carry things out from the city out to the field. In other words, I never heard of a thing called carrying. That's the story I told you at the beginning. Right? We have lots of stories about that. Uh, people who grow up, let's say, in uh, Kibbutz Hadati, and they grow up, There's a, they never leave the Kibbutz for Shabbat, and there's a Eruv around the kibbutz, and they don't know there's a thing called carrying. And by the way, it's not just kibbutz adatid. People happen, people grow up in Meir Sharon, and they suddenly found themselves somewhere new for Shabbat in London, and there's no Eruv around the neighborhood. They didn't know there was an issue of carrying. Right? So, and then they'll think, they'll reason as follows. And they're not dumb people, they're, they're smart. They'll say, well, think about it. The public area, which I'm allowed to carry in, Midoraita, because it's fenced in and it's all owned by the citizens. So since it's publicly accessed by everybody, I mean, so that's just like fields and, and wastelands out there. They'll think the only things that are really privately owned are the Chatserot. And then what are they going to think? That there is no malacha called carrying at all. And like I said, this is something that is, as Tosfot said, it's such a, a negligent act that it's so easy to fall into this trap and think there is no such yisur. And that's why they put Eruv in it. Here we go. So Shlomo made the rule that every Rishut HaYachid that's divided by residence, now that doesn't mean your house, where you have six people living in your house that are you and your wife and four kids, right? That, that that's Chalukah B'Diurim. That doesn't mean that. It means different owners. Everybody claims a part of it for themselves. So in our apartment complex or in our condo complex, this is perhaps the best, better example. In our condo complex, I claim apartment four and you can claim apartment three and Alan claims apartment two and Avram claims apartment one. And Ben, I want to get all the Kohanim in here. Ben claims apartment uh, six and Sherwin apartment seven and eight, apartment eight. I got all my Kohanim in front of me. I don't want to give all the Kohanim an apartment. So each one claims a different apartment. That's because you own it. All right. Um, 
and everybody and what will be left is an area that's commonly owned owned viyad kulan shavebo everybody has equal access there could go on like a courtyard again like in a condo complex the rec room the lobby the hallways those are all publicly owned if, I, if i'm in the hallway and i happen to be hanging out in front of sherwin's apartment in the condo he can't tell me to leave or to walk around because i'm in the hallway the hallway is access to everybody but he can certainly toss me out of his apartment if he doesn't want me there because that's his so that's the, the difference here uh, i know he never would do we're going to now, Shlomo said, let's now consider the commonly owned private area to be public. Let's think about the rec room and the pool area as Rishut HaRabim. And everything that's just your exclusive area called your apartment as being Rashut Ayachid. In other words, we're creating an imaginary status. Rashut Ayachid, Rashut Arbing, even though really it's all Rashut Ayachid, and you can really carry everywhere. Midoraita. The Asur Lotzim Rashut Chalak Latzmol Rashut Shiad Kulam Shavabo, Shem Rashut Ayachid, Rashut Arbim. So the Rambam says is the way Shlomo designed it is. We are going to pretend that the common area, which is owned by just, by the way, the common area, I put all the Kohanim and me in an apartment here. So Ben, Aim, Sherwin, Allen, and I, the five of us own that courtyard. Bill, you live in the next building. You don't own that courtyard. You, by the way, cannot come into our courtyard unless we invite you in. But, but what he's saying is because the five of us own this courtyard, we're going to treat it like a Rishut Rabim. And apartment four, which is mine, is my Rishut Ayachid. And so now we're going to prohibit carrying from apartment four to the courtyard as if we're carrying from a private area to a public area. Right? So that's, that's the, 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 the equation, sort of the, 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 uh, the analogy that he set up. Um, all you're allowed to do is use your own private area behind your apartment in the model we're using until we all become mixed together even though really it's all and now the definition what is an Eruv? now you ask anybody on the street they'll tell you fishing wire Right, or else they'll tell you it's a nation of people who are neighbors of the Israelis and they'll get along with them very well. Mawa eruv hazet. What is an eruv? Who sheit arvu b'maachal echad shemanichin otomir of Shabbat. They all join in with one dish of food that they set up before Shabbat. Klomar, as if to say, and it's a fiction. It's a legal fiction. Shekulanu me'oravin. We are all joined together. We all have one food. In other words, we're all joined together, and this 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 food, ki'ilu this meal, is is what brings us together. We're not separating from each other. Just like in this spot, we are all joined together where the food is. So now, and watch this definition. 
every spot in this apartment complex, if we stick with that, that everybody claims for himself is really now jointly owned, which means the whole rec room, pool area, lobby, and apartment four, apartment five, apartment six, apartment seven, apartment eight, are all now owned by everybody. That's, that's how he defines it. As long as we do this, now the Rambam is explaining why this legal fiction works. Because legal fictions are tricky things. Most famous selling chametz. We have other legal fictions. But the Rambam says very simply, remember that though, that really this is permitted. I'm allowed to carry in this area. It's fenced in and it's owned privately by a bunch of private owners. But because we're concerned that if we allow you to carry here, people will think you're allowed to carry everywhere. So we create a system where we're declaring with a bizarre act, some, somewhat bizarre act, that we are all common owners in the whole thing. We are Ravin. We are mixed together. That's our Eruv. And when we do that, we'll realize, well, that doesn't allow me to carry out to the fields. That is going to keep me, that's going to make me recognize I could not carry here without doing the special act of joining together. And anywhere I didn't join together, I still can't carry. And that will solve the problem. And then he says, Classic form gives us the law and then says, here's the terminology we're going to use from here on in. The Eruv that you make between members of one courtyard, for our purposes, we're going to call them different residents in a condo complex. The reason I say condo is because in a condo complex, theoretically, everybody who's there owns their own apartment. Right? So in the same way, that's called Eruv Echatzerot. Vishosin Anshem Mavui But now let's say that you've got, you're going to expand it out. We're going to make a partnership with the whole Mavui, which means right now we're going to call, I'm going to make up a street called Mavui Street. Mavui Street is between Robertson and, and, uh, and La Cienega. And Mavui Street dead ends before Aerodrome. It goes from Cashio to Aerodrome, so you guys can picture that. But it dead ends. Uh, like Garth, some of these other streets have dead ends. It dead ends. And it has... 10 apartment complexes on each side and one at the end, 21 apartment complexes. And now what they do is they put a little gate at the corner of Mavui and Cashio, the open end, they put a gate. So the whole thing is fenced in. And then they bring food together and they put it in one of the houses. We'll see where. And then they are all now joined and the whole street is one commonly owned area, including the houses and the courtyards and the pool and the rec rooms of every complex, the whole thing is commonly owned. And what's that called? So there's Eruve Chatserot and Shituf Mivoot. By the way, these are terms that you've already bumped into lots of times in Eruven, in our Dafyomi. And now for uh, let's take a look at Halakha Chet. You'll see I skipped here, um, but um, because after Chet, the Ram gets into a lot of very detailed definitions about what kind of food can be used. But watch what he says. 
Ein marvin b'chatserot ela v'pach shleimah bilvad. An eruv chatserot has to be done with a full loaf of bread. That's all you can use. We have to have, it has to be bread and it has to be a full loaf. The custom in many <coughs> cities in Europe for centuries was that they would make an eruv and they would put the eruv for the whole city in the shul. There were, there was a town, I don't know if this happened more than once, but there was a town where the eruv that they, that they do, the once a year that they did it was Arab Pesach, it was a convenient time because they're doing other things. They made the Eruv. And what they did is they had a matzah. They had a big matzah they put up and they left it there all year. And that was it. Uh, there was one town that I heard of where what they did was they actually took the matzah and they nailed it to the wall because you know, it was so much softer. And they nailed it to the wall. So it was always up there in the shul. And evidently the Christians got word that on Arab Pesach, the Jews were taking matzah and nailing it to the wall. And well, shall we say that was the end of that minute. Um, but uh, in any case, um, even if you have a huge loaf, a, a wedding, a bar mitzvah loaf, you know, kid, but it's sliced, you can't use it. If you have a tiny little roll, a bulkala, you can use it as long as it's complete. You can actually use rice bread or lentil bread, not millet bread. Why? Beyond what we're going to talk about here. That's Eruv Chatzerot. She, no, no, by this way, a fishing wire has not come into discussion and will not come into discussion here because we are assuming before we start this discussion that whatever area we're talking about is properly fenced in. And the problem is the real problem of error, which is ownership. You could use other food, you could use wine. Just can't use water or salt. Also, fungi you can't use, like with mushrooms. That's the sugi in the third parak. All right, etc. Okay. Now, I want to show you that because I want to take you right now, because I'm looking at the clock. I want to take you, and we're going to come back to this next week when we talk about the practical side of it. Um, um, actually, I'm going to show you two more things here, Ted Zion, and then... And then uh, in this is the second parak in halacha, sorry. Uh, this is actually Yud Zion, it got messed up. So we're gonna look at Tet Zion and, uh, and the one that's marked Yud here. Um, and, uh, and then we're gonna to skip to one halacha in the next parak, which is gonna start a whole firestorm. And we're gonna focus on that next week. Again, if you're interested in continuing with this uh, line of study, which is essentially the basics of Erevin, how Erevin works. <clears throat> so the Rama says as follows, how do you actually make an Erev? You come around, you have a Gabai who comes around and collects one Chala from each house. They put it all into one basket. So again, let's go back to where we are. All my Kohanim, Avram, Binyamin, Shur, Simcha, right? Shur and Simcha, right? Um, Avram and Peretz, and me, I get to live with the Kohanim. So I go around, I'm not with the Israel, so I'll collect. So I collect from each one of you guys a loaf. I put my own loaf in. I say I don't have to, you'll see. Uh, then we put it into one of the houses. So we'll put it in my house, because 
I'm the non-Kohen, I'm the I'd man out. By the way, you don't have to put it in a house. You could put it into a storehouse. Or a barn. Or a wine cellar. As long as it's a house. There's a rule that a house has to be four mot by four mot. If it's smaller than that, it doesn't count. It's a sugi in, in Eruvin and Sukkah. Now, when I collect it, I'm the guy coming around to collect it. What do I say? Bracha. What's the bracha? Right? And then I say, Does it sound familiar? It sounds familiar because the one time we say anything like this is Eruv Tavshilin, when we actually make the bracha, because we do it in each house, and we make the declaration. But when the guy is making the Eruv, for Eruv Chatzerot, he has to say, so with this Eru, which we permitted for every member of the Chatzer to carry from one house to another on Shabbat, you can allow a little kid to be the one who collects it. That's the sugi by itself about, about uh, Kenyan, about a cotton making Kenyan and a Durabanan. Remember, for keeping the Eru in my house, I don't have to contribute. So I call it from you guys, I don't have to contribute. It's another rule. Let's say that for years, my house has been the house where we keep the Eruv. You're not allowed to change it. Any dark is shown, you keep it in the same house. Uh, you know, that way people don't fight about it, and it's very simple. All right? So now, I want to show you one more thing, because again, I'm keeping an eye on the clock here, and I want to open it also up also for questions. We have a little uh, time, uh, time for that. Um, one thing, and the thing that's marked you at Aleph here, it's not correct, and I'll fix it, I'll put it back up. Even if you made a shituf mvuot, in other words, remember Mavui Street that we had? So let's say we made a shituf there where all the houses and all the owners are all one, you still have to make an Eruv in each chatzer. Why? Remember I told you about kids who grew up in Meisharim? And they don't have an Eruv. You have kids growing up. They don't know what the city fathers are doing out on the street. They know that in, I grew up in, a, in an apartment. We never made an Eruv here. And we can carry. So to make sure the kids understand about Eruv, you have to make an Eruv in each Chatzar also. Notice how much, really all of this, is built in about awareness. It's not about something essential and inherent. It's about awareness. Um, and here, even though everything's been quote unquote covered, you still have to make an Eruv in each Chatzar so people, the kids are aware. The little kids don't know what business the adults are doing out there in the in the pot. Interesting. If they used bread, which means they collected bread from everybody, the little kids will know about it, then you don't have to make it. All right. Now, last thing I want to show you here. <clears throat> Which is the following. In Perak Ben Halacha Aleph, these numbers are correct. On Chatzer, and this is where things this is where things get really, really tricky. On Chatzer, so again, we've got our apartment house, okay? Um, and no, okay. 
Um, I want to see who else is around, but I'll leave you guys out. So Kurt and the Wassermans and, and Naftali and Nigel um, and Bill, right? All of us, uh, all of us non-Kohani, right? We're all living together, okay? We're living together. And I'm going to make up somebody else here because I don't want to put the bad, you know, thing on anybody here. So we're all living in one chatzer. And there's Mr. Schnickerdiddle, Moshe Schnickerdiddle, okay, lives in the chatzer and he refuses to participate. Bain Mezid or Bain Shocheach, he forgot to participate. None of us can carry anywhere but our own house. This is, this is a big thing. Understand, this is the big needle in the balloon. So Kurt and Manny and Marsha and Naftali and Nigel and Bill and I, we're all living in one chatzera, one big happy family. We have, we have uh, parties together. We all wear masks. We're all really you know, religious people. We're good. But in the meantime, we, uh, we're, we're, we're good friends. And Moshe Schnickerdoodle also lives there and he's something of a hermit. And we forget to ask when he forgets to participate in the Eruv, or he refuses to participate in the Eruv. His presence as an owner means none of our Eruv doesn't work at all, at all. None of us can carry from the courtyard to our house or vice versa. Now, let's say that Mr. Schnickerdoodle suddenly becomes, you know, has, a, has some um, contrition. And he says, you know what? I'm going to back out and for Shabbat, I don't own any part of the courtyard. May we, can, we can now carry from our house to the courtyard because the courtyard has now six owners instead of seven and all six are in on the Eru. And Schnickerdoodle's not in. Right? But we cannot carry into Schnickerdoodle's house because that, that's his. But if Schnickerdoodle says, you know what, I'm giving up ownership of my house and of my claim in the Chatzar, then we can carry even into his house. He can also. We made an Eruv, the six of us made an Eruv, and he backed out. He's, it's like Pesach, Hefker. He disowned himself from his ownership. He's allowed to He's like our guest. If you have a guest come, the guest doesn't have participate in the era, only an owner. Okay, now here's the here's the kicker. Halachatet. Yisrael Hadar Im Hagoy Im Oim Gertoshav Bachatzer. Let's say that you have a non-Jew in your chatzer. Okay, which by the way is almost always, except in very specific neighborhoods. It's almost always the case. You're living in an apartment complex, and there are non-Jews living in the apartment complex. They're part of the complex. But let's say there's more than one Jew. Now, the, the, our Gemara, the being sixth parak, explains why this is. We pass the Koros and Yaakov. Let's say there's two Jews or more. So let's say the six of us are in our apartment complex and Schnickerdoodle and he comes along for the ride and 
Mike Anderson and um, LeBron James moves in because, you know, who doesn't want to live with us? And now he's you know, won the championship. Where are you going? I'm going to go live with Snickerdoodle. Um, lives with us. Harezel Saralam. His presence now becomes a problem. This was a decree that was made because they actually didn't want mixed complexes. Interesting. Why didn't they make this decree when there's one Jew and one non-Jew? It's so uncommon, right? And that's because they were afraid that the, the non-Jew would uh, kill them. And so they would never live with one Jew and one non-Jew in an area. We're talking clearly about a very different reality of relations between peoples, but that was the rule. So that means that if a non-Jew is living in the, in the complex, you can't make an Eruv. So what do you do? You actually have to rent it from them. And we do that symbolically. You give them a dollar and say, I'm giving you a dollar and I'm renting your, uh, your um, claim in any of the public areas here for the year. All right, that's fine. That works. I want you to now think about LA or Kew Gardens Hills. You think about the issue, okay? Now, one more thing, and I'm gonna cut off and, and open it up. How can I go ahead and make the Eruv in LA, in this wide ex expanse called LA, or even if we just had a Beverlywood Eruv, how could I do that without collecting from Nigel, and from the Wassermans, because nobody, by the way, Nigel, nobody came and collected bread from you, I promise, or Manny Marshall. They have a, yes, they have a, a fund and we all contribute, God willing, that's what we should do, but they don't collect food from you. So as, as you'll see here, if we, if we continue this next week, you'll see that when you reach a certain amount of people in the Chatzar, then there's just a certain amount of food. You don't have to collect from everybody. Okay, fine. But how do I make the Eruv on your behalf, Nigel, without you participating? That's problem one. Problem two is, how do I make an Eruv which includes my, non -Jew my Jewish neighbors who are not observant? That's problem two. Because I'm pretty sure that if I were to ask Nigel, do you want to participate? I'd say, sure. So maybe I can assume participation. I can't necessarily assume participation. And I have neighbors right here, lovely people, Jewish, not observant at all. How can I include them? And the biggest thorn here is, how can I somehow overlook or include or somehow manipulate the ownership of my non-Jewish neighbors right here on my street when it comes to the Eruv? And how does an Eruv work? So that's kind of leaving in the air. We're going to operate with some of these same sources, but a few more sources next week, if you guys want to continue on this. And I'm going to, right now, I want to um, pull you out of this and... Um...